0: This is the Thrive Podcast with Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And now, Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. Hello, welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, and I'm very happy that you chose to either view or listen uh, to another episode of the Thrive Podcast uh it's been an interesting time uh for us in the baton rouge community uh we're uh, actually recording this right on the heels of resurrection sunday uh and uh, of course that's a high time in the christian community certainly it's a high time here at shiloh but uh in the larger baton rouge community Uh, It's been a time of a lot of activity, a lot of tension, to be totally uh, honest and fair uh, about the situation. Uh, We are on the back end of uh, the Attorney General, Jeff Landry, making what I have described as the cowardly decision uh, not to pursue criminal charges, against uh, Blaine Salamone and Howie Lake for their activities that led to the death of Alton Sterling on July 5th, 2016. And then uh, two days after his decision, uh, we had our police chief, Murphy Paul, uh, come out and uh, render his decision that uh, Officer Salamone would be terminated and that Officer Lake uh, would receive a three-day suspension. Since that time, the uh, police union has come out uh, uh, backing Officers Salamone and Lake and seeking to use whatever influence they have uh, to get Officer Salamone reinstated and to get Officer Lake's suspension uh, revoked so as you might imagine it's a time of high tension within our community Uh, then uh, we're still reeling with uh, the decision that was made by Breck uh, to keep the zoo uh, in North Baton Rouge and not move the zoo south which I applaud them for. I applaud the decision that was made, but it has not come without controversy. And on the back end of that, there are uh, moves being made by certain individuals uh, to uh, try to press forward uh, with uh, pursuit of removing people from their positions uh, in order to uh, resurrect brick and carry it in a different, uh, direction. <clears throat> so that's controversy going on. We, we are about three weeks away from, uh, Pivotal uh, tax renewal vote having to do with the East Baton Rouge Parish school system, uh, a one-cent tax uh, that would be renewed for 10 years. And uh, it's been broken down into three different propositions, one having to do with uh, facilities expansion and technology, one having... To do with uh, truancy and discipline within schools and one having to do with salaries. And it has proven to be contentious within our community because uh, there are African-American groups within our community uh, that feel like, uh, with regard to facilities and technology, uh, not enough money has been dedicated to uh, certain schools that Uh, we believe deserve more money than uh, has been stated by uh, the school proposal. And an inordinate amount of the money is set to go to the southern part of the parish uh, and uh, not to the northern part of the parish. And uh, it's proven to be another divisive issue. So there's a lot of divisiveness. Uh, There's a lot of tension that's going on within the Baton Rouge community and somebody might be listening to this uh, podcast and, and saying, what does that have to do with uh, the church? What does that have to do with Shiloh and Thrive? Why, why are you talking about that? I'm talking about it because I believe that the church has a responsibility uh, to be involved in the everyday affairs of people. I reject the notion that uh, the church is just a Sunday thing where we come together and uh, we worship God and we affirm our uh, commitment to Christ. But then when we leave the church, then we don't ever talk about the issues that affect us in our daily lives. Truth of the matter is, uh, we spend way more time uh, in the world than we do in the church. And if the church never addresses the issues that affect us as a community, never uh, makes the transition to bring us to a place where we are talking more about uh, current events and trying to draw a relationship between them and biblical and, and religious principles, uh, then we're sounding brass and tinkling cymbal to, to quote Paul. So I think that it is vitally important that the church find its voice uh, to address these issues and speak to them uh, in relevant and purposeful ways. Uh, I think that it would be beneficial if uh, Christian bodies uh, who have differing points of view, because there there are certainly differing points of view that exist around these issues that exist around Sterling, that exist around police reform, that exist around uh, uh, parks and the zoo, that exist around school taxes and how those dollars are spent, and exist around any number of other issues that we're dealing with, ITEP that the state legislature is dealing with, uh, uh, the industrial tax exemption program, uh, uh, TOPS program, scholarships for uh, kids who. Uh, excel within Louisiana to keep them in Louisiana schools. There are any number of issues. The state legislature uh, is still in session trying to figure out how they're going to close a $1.1 billion hole in its budget and still maintain services for the people who need them the most. These are relevant issues. And I accept the fact that there can be uh, varying positions that take on these issues. We don't all agree on these issues. I'm absolutely in in that statement. But I do think that a discussion needs to be held. I do think that it is incumbent upon the church, particularly the African American church, to take a leadership position in at least advancing the ideas and the ideals of Christ as they relate to these issues. This is not about what I think. This is not about what you think. This is about us trying to find a way to promote Christian values, as, as, as the evangelical uh, right likes to say. Let's promote Christian values when it comes to these issues and see how they play out in the daily affairs of people. Now, when they talk about Christian values, uh, it used to be they were talking about marriage and family, and they were talking about abortion and things of that sort, but with the advent of President Trump, they've abandoned all of those issues. Now, they say that we're not electing uh, a pastor we're electing a president and then so we don't expect him to live up to the same moral code I wish they'd had that point of view when Bill Clinton was running for office I, I wish that they could have supported uh, a President Barack Obama who in eight years had absolutely no scandals attached to his name to his family or to his presidency uh, but they, they they could not support him in his positions but they support President Trump. It's hypocritical to say the least. But moving beyond that, if we're going to talk about Christian values, is not love for one another a Christian value? Is not concern for the least and the last and the left out a Christian value? Does not James say to us that we should be doers of the word and not hearers only? Does not Jesus say to us, when I was hungry, you fed me and when I was sick, you came to visit me. When I was in prison, you came to see about me. When I was naked, you gave me clothes to to wear. Uh, Is that not a Christian value that we show concern for? the least, the last, the left out, the marginalized of our community. And how does that play a role in our everyday living? It plays a role in our economics philosophies. I know that we live in a, uh, a culture uh, that highlights capitalism and uh, people have differing points of view about capitalism, my point of view is simply this, it's the system that we're in, it's not going to change, but it's not the best system because it does not uh, exist without the exploitation of people and groups. Capitalism only works because there is an exploiter and an exploitee. And for too long, the poor and the brown have been those who have been exploited uh, at the expense of other people. So. How do we manage uh, to present Christ into these situations and still maintain our, our capitalistic point of view in w- with regard to economics? I don't have an answer, but I do think the questions need to be raised. Uh, how do we show that we are willing to uh, deal with uh, these relevant issues and yet speak truth to power. Uh, We have to be able to come together. And we have to be able to hold our leadership, both elected officials uh, and leaders of business and industry, the, the, the movers and shakers of our community, we have to be able to hold them to account. And holding them to account means that, number one, we keep ourselves informed as best we can as to what's going on within our communities. And then we take the information that we have and we sift it and filter it through our Christian values and what the scripture teaches about how we should love one another and where we find that uh, there is a digression between what is actually taking place and what the Bible teaches, we highlight that, we speak out about it, and we call people back to the biblical principles of love and fairness and courtesy and kindness toward one another. And if we do that, in a loud enough way, in an effective way, in an intelligent way, in a strategic way, we can be certain that people will hear us and will respond. So, it is important that the church continue to find its voice uh, with regard to these issues. I'm speaking about local issues more than anything else, and I know that this podcast goes out Uh, around the world. So, somebody who's listening to this away from Baton Rouge, Louisiana might not be interested in the particulars of of the issues that that I'm addressing here. But the principle (coughs) remains regardless of where you are. The principle that we should inform ourselves with regard to what is going on within our communities uh, and, and within our nation, and then filter what we have learned through scriptural principles and lessons, and then where we find that there is a separation between what we have been taught and what's actually taking place, we bring those things to light. And we say that this is not something that is acceptable to us. Now, as I said, I know that that Christians uh, do not purely look at things from, from a Christian point of view, from a biblical point of view. Culture creeps its way into what we do uh, and 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 sometimes culture prevails over Christian principles Sometimes we say this is our Tradition this is our heritage. This is our culture uh, But if we are the body of Christ And we really say that it is in our best interest to let culture prevail over biblical principles? to let tradition prevail over biblical principle? This is not sermon time, but I could preach a sermon on this. Jesus uh, came against the traditions of his own culture where he found that they deviated from the teaching of the gospel. If you read uh, the gospel accounts, particularly Matthew and Luke, uh, Jesus gets into trouble with the religious orthodoxy, the Sanhedrin council, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, the various uh, religious sects of his day, because he would not uh, conform to their ideas regarding culture. He would affirm the teaching of scripture. He would affirm the principles of his heavenly father, even if that meant opposing the prevailing culture of his day and he did it even if he had to do it by himself. Can we do any less than that? Is is our understanding of our gospel call that we must do less than Jesus did? When he says that we would do greater things than he has done, Uh, we can't shrink away from that. We can't say that because it has been our tradition Uh, to engage in practices of segregation and practices of racism and practices of sexism and practices uh, that serve to divide us rather than unite us. That that's been a part of our tradition. That we should uphold the tradition against the teachings of Christ. When we do that we're behaving in hypocritical ways and it dilutes the strength of the message that we are trying to convey. So, When we deal with these issues, when we deal with the fact that corporations uh, pay far less in taxes than individuals, which explains why Louisiana's infrastructure is in the terrible condition that it's in, why we have to continuously uh, tax ourselves through repeated temporary taxes. There's no such thing as a temporary tax because once you get it in, uh, you renew it every five years, every 10 years. No such thing as a temporary tax. There's a reason why we have to continue to do that because we won't make corporations be good neighbors in our state we always talk about being neighborly toward one another, and 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 we we want to make corporations individuals we want to treat them like they're individual entities that's that's what the federal courts have said that corporations can be treated like people okay then exxon pay your fair share in taxes dow chemical pay your fair share in taxes all these other industries that look for tax loopholes that will keep them from paying their fair share in taxes stop looking for the loopholes be a good neighbor pay your taxes so that we won't have potholes in our streets so that we won't have roads that are eroding and bridges that are falling down so that we can pay for the necessary goods and services and health care in the deprived areas of our parish and we won't have to build an emergency facility in North Baton Rouge and then three months later close it down because we don't have the money to keep it open. Pay your taxes. That's the Christian thing to do. If we really want to be good neighbors, then we would find ways to spread the economic wealth throughout our parish and not concentrate it in one or two areas of our parish in the south and southeast portions of our parish, uh, to, to, to the neglect of those who need the, the services the most and will receive them the least. If we want to be good neighbors to one another, then we would uphold the, the, the right of every individual uh, to speak his mind without fear of repudiation with regard to police reform that it's not racist to say that Blaine Salomone and Howie Lake committed a crime when they killed Alton Sterling. It's not racist, it's a fact. Anyone who saw the video knows that it's a fact and, 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 and to try to cover it up and to try to obfuscate what everyone could plainly see is clearly wrong. That's not race baiting That's just calling it like it is. And if Jesus could call it like it is, the church ought to call it like it is. And the church can't shrink away from these things. We have to be willing to speak. It is not wrong to say that if the East Baton Rouge Parish school system is going to tax the entire parish for schools, then the entire parish ought to benefit from the schools that come from the tax that it should not be concentrated in one area of the city. And with the the the, the prospective advent of St. George pulling out of uh, East Baton Rouge Parish school system, forming its own city, forming its own schools, it may be five years away, two years for their petition, and then three more years for them to actually get an independent school system. It is not wrong to say, in fact, it's, it's, it's crazy to not say we're not going to build schools in areas that will eventually become St. George. That only makes sense. To the neglect of the northern part of the parish uh, where only 16 percent of the dollars that are expected to be raised for facilities and technology are going to be spent. Are we only going to tax 16 percent of those people? Are we going to tax the entire parish? Does that seem fair to you? I'm not asking for preferential treatment. I'm not asking uh, for for you to bend over backward and do something uh, that that, that is to the neglect of yourself. I'm only asking you to think about it from, from the standpoint of fairness. Can we be fair about this? That's what Jesus would ask us to do. It is appalling to me that we gather in churches on Sundays and we lift up the name of Jesus and and we reaffirm our commitment to Christ in church. And then we walk out of church and we pick up our sectarian robes and divide ourselves within this community as though what took place in the worship experience didn't even happen and had no impact on us at all. One of the most frustrating things for me as a pastor, and I've been pastoring now for 36 years, uh, is is the fact that we have full houses on Easter. We, we just had Resurrection Sunday, full house, chairs down the aisle, packed wall to wall, full houses. On, on that Sunday and, and, and people come in and we say, praise the Lord, he has risen uh, just as he said and we and we express our gratitude to God for the security of our salvation that was wrought through Jesus' defeat of death, hell, and the grave. It is disturbing to me that we can have that kind of, of, of fervor and activity. Activity on Resurrection Sunday morning, and then go right back out into the world as though no change had taken place at all. We go right back to the same positions that we had. There has been no transformation. There has been no uh, coming together. There's been no reasoning. Uh, what, what is it that, that God says to us through Isaiah? Come, let us reason together. There's been no reasoning that takes place at all. We go right back to our corners and we pick up the fight where we left off. For the worship experience, for our churches to have the impact that they are supposed to have in our communities, we have to find ways uh, to get our message out beyond the walls of our sanctuaries and our Sunday school classes and cause there to be a saturation within the hearts of individuals that makes them at least think about what they are doing when they go back out into the world. When they go back out into their communities, when they go back out to their Rotary Club, when they go back out uh, to their Shriners meetings, when they go back out to their fraternities and sororities, when they go back out to 100 black men and when they go back out to Jack and Jill, when they go back out to all of these various activities that consume so much of their time and their energy and their dollars. Do we bring Christ with us into those activities when we meet and talk about Republican politics and conservative politics and Democrat politics and progressive politics. Do we bring Christ into those meetings? If not, then what we're doing on Sunday morning is failing to maximize the impact that it can make. We we, we love to call ourselves a Christian nation. In point of fact, we are not. We are a nation that's built on religious freedom, not a nation that's built around Christianity. If we were built around Christianity, slavery never would have taken place within this country. If we were built around Christianity, Jim Crow laws never would have taken place in this country. If we were built around Christianity, separate but equal, never would have been a part of the law of the land. Uh, We're we're a nation built on religious liberty, not a nation that's built on Christianity. But that notwithstanding, that's the argument that we like to make, that we're, we're a nation built on Christian principles. Okay. Love your neighbor as yourself is a Christian principle. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength is a Christian principle. Love that requires sacrifice. As I have loved you, so are you to love one another. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's a Christian principle. Are we a nation? Are we a community built on Christian principles? Which principles are we built on? Help me to understand. You can write me. Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. 185 Eddie Robinson Senior Drive, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70802. You can email me, Fred Jeff Smith at Cox.net. You can text me 225 907 6483 Tell me which Christian principles we are upholding when we continue to act in sectarian ways with regard to -to day-to-day decisions that are made that affect our community, when we continue to marginalize people that have already been marginalized almost off the page. Tell me which Christian principles we are upholding. Have a good day. Talk to you next time.